Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. Well, hello everyone. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome to episode 40 of the Harder Way podcast. I can't believe that after 40 episodes, I'm still Scott. I know. Pretty crazy to think. I would have thought your name would have changed by now. Something. Or, some, or I would have gotten a new co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody better with some talent. Yeah. Know something. Yep. Yep. Hey, you know, um, we're calling this our, our Trials and Tribulations and Hardships podcast because the number 40 is really significant in Hebrew writing. Yes. If we look at the Old Testament, which, of course, is in uh, a really perfect example of Hebrew writing and the Hebrew ancient Hebrew um, writing style, we can see that the number 40 was used to represent um, times of trial and tribulation. We see the Noah's Ark account where it's 40 days and 40 nights of the flood. We see uh, the, the Israelites having 40 years in the wilderness. And then even moving on into the New Testament, we see Jesus, uh, his 40 days of, of fasting and being uh, tested in the, uh, in the wilderness. Right. And what's interesting is because these numbers are significant, when you see them, you have to really watch out for them. Now, we're not talking about gematria and, and, and numerology, those kinds of things. Um, there are just some numbers that are so significant that they have meaning. Uh, what's another one? What's another number you can think of that has big meaning in the Hebrew uh, writing style? Well, another example would be the number 1,000. The number 1,000 means a lot. So if you see the number 1,000 being used, it might mean literally 1,000. But it also might mean a lot. It would be kind of like saying bazillion, bazillion or bajillion. Or... I'm going to start telling your mom I love you 1,000. I feel like there's a movie where someone said that. I don't know. Oh, I've really? Heard, I've heard that before. Uh, yeah. no, there's nothing new under the sun. That's for, tr- that's for sure. Well, and that's, this is interesting to me because, you know, I always tell people when you read the Bible, there's nothing between the lines but if you can peel up the words, there's all kinds of depth beneath them. Mm, yeah, so, under the surface. Under the surface. So there's nothing between the lines, but there's a lot under the surface. And if you put some time in, do some research, don't listen to wackos, yeah. you, can, you can actually find some amazing things in the Bible. So when we think about the millennium, the milliannum, which is 1,000 milliannum years, years, then we can say, well, okay, so the 1,000 years could be literally... You know, 365 days times a thousand, or it could be the lunar year that the Hebrews used, 360 days times a thousand, or it could just be a really long time, maybe 500 years or maybe 10,000 years, right? But it's, it's what the, what's important is that the number says it's a really long time, mm. and then um, whether you take it literally or not, on that is a personal choice. Most of the Bible take literally. 
Um, unless you always want to take th about things in the Bible literally, unless they're not meant to be taken literally. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, for instance, something like a parable. Right. We, we know specifically that Jesus is saying, you know, this didn't actually happen. This is just an example. This yeah. isn't, you know, and so uh, same thing with like apocalyptic literature. It's it's written in a style where the, the whole point of the style is this isn't literally what's happening. This is a different way of describing Right, and that's why with the book of Revelation, it's prophecy, but it's also an epistle, a letter, and it's also written in the apocalyptic style where all of the things have symbols, and uh, all of the words are symbols that mean something else. And Which is why reading Revelation can sometimes feel like a personal trial. Yeah, it really can. I remember just trying to chart uh, in Bible college um, all of the what Jesus said and then what the consequences were for the seven churches. Just doing that was a... Making that chart was a little bit of a, a trial. Trial in and of itself. Yeah. But, you know, I think in Western culture, we have this sense that trials and tribulation are bad. Well, yeah. And they're, and, they're, and they're received mostly by bad people. And that's why when something bad happens, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? How have I failed you, God? Why are you punishing me, What did God? I do to deserve this? What did I, oh, that's the classic. What, what did, did I, I do, do to deserve this? Yeah, I'm raising my hand right now. I've said all of those. But in I'm a good person. Why did this happen to me? Yeah, I've never been dumb enough to say that one. But people <laughs> do say it. But people do, people do say that. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so when we look at when we look at uh, hardships and trials and tribulations and when they come into our life, how we perceive them is powerful. And the Bible gives us a lot of counsel on that. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to read your Bible, and it's so important that people in the persecuted church have Bibles. Because through reading the Bible, just reading, like casual reading, like just easy reading, not studying, just reading, you get to know the character and the personality of God. It's like if you've read a series of novels and there's a character in that novel and that you really like. And then somebody comes along because the author dies and so they add on another book to the series. Mm. And so let's say your favorite character is Emily. And so Emily does something, and your first thought is, that is so out of character for Emily. She would never do that. This new writer is terrible. You'd be yeah. frustrated. Well, I think it's the same thing with the Bible um, and we, with God. When we're reading the Bible, we get to know God. We get to know who he is, what he's like, what he does, what he wouldn't do. And so then we can know, okay, this is God's character. This is what he's like. Mm -hmm. And that's So I'll give you an example. Genesis 46, right? We've got uh, Joseph has gone through his trials and tribulations, and he's wound up in... Uh, the second position uh, of authority just under the Pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, there's a famine everywhere. Uh, uh, Isaac, excuse me, um, J uh, Jacob, his father, uh, Joseph's father, is with the family in, in uh, what is now Israel. And, but they're just a family. They're not a huge nation yet. And um, God's going to bring his Messiah through this family. He's got to build them up, make them strong, and make them, you know, a great nation. So he tells, he tells, uh, so so Joseph invites his dad to come on down. His dad's like, okay, I'll start heading that way. Stops, makes a makes a uh, sacrifice to to God, to our God. God shows up at night in a dream, and he says, "Hey, uh, you awake?" <laughs> I didn't say that, but then, but but uh, uh, Jacob responds, "Here, here am I. Here I am." And then he says, "Listen, go on, go ahead and down into Egypt, 
um, uh, and there I'm going to make you into a great nation. And don't worry, I'm going to go with you, right? Yeah. I'm like, that's who God is. So I often will have students read that passage because they think that the Israelites just like wound up in Egypt and then wound up being slaves. And it's like, no. God they were led did, there by God. They were led there by God, and then they were accompanied by God, and then God allowed them to suffer hardship to make them into a great nation because they were a million strong when they left. Yeah. That takes a minute. Maybe mm-hmm. 400 takes years. Takes some time. To build your, your little family into a million. And they came out much stronger. Of course, they failed again. You know, they failed many times in the wilderness, and they had to wander in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. 40 years. 40. 40 yeah, and then uh, they then they finally went into the promised land, and then they, you know, they took over the different kingdoms. They had a little they had a little drama there, a little issues sometimes. People hold on to some idols, keeping some things they shouldn't keep, not listening to God exactly. Think they'd know better, but not everybody did. <laughs> and then you know, um, then they have the the seven cycles and judges where they are they're right with God, and then they start embracing the idols around them, and they start turning away from God and then God warns them hey I'm going to send some bad stuff if you don't straighten up because we've got this covenant between us and then the people say oh I don't know then the hard stuff comes and they cry out God why have you forsaken us and then they turn back to God and everything's hunky-dory for a while and they did that seven times in the book of Judges eventually it gets so bad they wind up in captivity and then they get they get parred down yeah because you had a million over a million people go into Babylon and what did you have go back? Was it 10,000 or 100,000? Do you remember? I don't off the top of I'm my head. I'm drawing a blank too. But those aren't symbolic numbers, so it's okay. We, but it's, Yeah, I mean, so tribulation is part of our story, but a God who is with you is also part of the story. Mm. And an outcome that's better than the income or the, or the beginning is also part of the story. So I guess it's about understanding that God always has a purpose in allowing suffering and allowing trials and tribulations that it's never meaningless. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about being a Christian, about knowing and understanding the Bible and knowing and understanding who God is, is that we can have hope in trials and tribulations. Yes. Because if you don't understand that God is sovereign, if you don't understand that God is just, if you don't understand that God is good, if you don't understand that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him, um, when you go through senseless tragedies, when you go through struggles, when you go through hard times, how could you be anything except defeated and downtrodden and Hopeless and, and fearful, fearful. How how could you not be? I mean, it's it's really the natural response. It is. It's normal. It's normal. And so, as Christians, we have the privilege of being able to have hope in difficult situations. And when we talk about this, I never want it to come across that we're in any way um, diminishing or trivializing very serious tragedies. Right. We're not going around here being like, well, you just need to get over the fact that your entire family was killed in front of you. Like God has a purpose in it. It's fine. Like we're not trivializing the types of senseless tragedies that people go through. But what we are saying is that in the smallest tragedy to the most inhumane, horrible thing you can even imagine, God is still at work through those broken situations. 
and you can still have hope in even the most difficult of times. Right. You know? Right. Well, you think of the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace and, you know, the, the, and the uh, Nebuchadnezzar telling them, you're going to worship me or you're going to go in the fiery furnace and then saying, look, God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship you. We're still going yep. to trust him. Yep. It fills them with fire furnace, and then the Lord shows up. You know, it, mm-hmm. as, as Nebuchadnezzar says it, what does he say? It looks like the son of man. The son of, the son yeah, of man. Yeah. So it's at least an angel, but probably a Christophany, which is a appearance of Jesus before he was incarnated, which is the fancy word for saying before he was born in a manger. Pre-incarnate Christ. Pre-incarnate Christ, Christophany. So, um, you know, we see that example, and that encourages us mm-hmm. as well. That the Lord can rescue us. Sometimes He walks with you through the fire. Sometimes He parts the seas. Sometimes you walk through us on dry land. Sometimes you need even water. You know. Sometimes you're in the flood and you just survive the flood. God's with you, and He has. He's going to walk with you through that tribulation, and He's going to use that for our good and for His glory. Hmm. Always, and you may not see it for immediately. Sometimes yeah. it takes time and perspective. And you look back and you go, oh, I see. That makes a lot of sense now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of some of the hard things in my life that I avoided uh, in seasons of what I would have called trial and tribulation. Uh, and then uh, and I, I look back now and I think, wow, thank you, Lord, for those trials because those kept me from doing something else. And I, I can see where that would have went. Where would that would have gone? Wow, yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. We never think about that, do we? That sometimes we're going through something and we can't understand why it's happening. And later, sometimes God blesses us by allowing us to see the even worse thing that he was keeping us from by allowing us to go through that other thing that Mm -hmm. we thought was the worst possible thing that could happen. Right. And I think because... Uh, some people I, in my life might actually find me a little bit unfeeling about their trials and tribulations, and I try to be compassionate. But I have to be honest, because I am in contact with so many people that actually have like real trials and tribulations, it's hard. I remember meeting with a man one time and him telling me about his childhood. When we finished meeting, I was crying profusely. I hugged him, and I told him, I make this vow to you, I will never complain about anything in my childhood ever again. Because everybody has problems, but this guy had a story that just started with tragedy and just got worse from there. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, we recognize that people have real hardships and real trials. And you think about our brothers and sisters around the world right now. In South Sudan, Christians are being hunted by Muslims. In uh, Nigeria, Christians are being hunted by Muslims. I'm like, really hunted, not the way we talk about now, like, you're trying to kill us. No, really killing them and dismembering them and and uh, or just or maiming them and then leaving them alive so they become a burden to the people around them for the rest of their life. What was um, the place you were telling me where they're putting the Christians in storage containers? I believe it's Eritrea. Oh, yes, yes, is, that like, is what you said. It used to be part of Ethiopia. Um, and it's, you know, over in the northeast side of Africa. Yeah, it's bad. And Muslims are, are putting the Christians in storage containers. Yeah, as kind of like their own little prisons. And it's hot. And there's no light, so it's stifling hot. There's no light. I mean, I I remember being stuck in a hot, humid elevator one time for 30 minutes. I can't imagine living there. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, and their only crime was following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they could literally get out of it by just saying, you know, what, what the Islam requires you to say to be a Muslim, which is just a few words. Yeah. Right? And how easy would it be to say that and then be like, just kidding, God, I take it back. <laughs> right. And that's, I'm sure, Satan... Yeah. telling you that hey uh-huh. you can just say it they're uh-huh. just words they don't mean anything yeah just tell them what they want to hear and uh, then you'll be fine and some people do mm-hmm. and it really stunts their growth they, they can recover yes it, P- peter peter was restored after denying christ three times he was so we do know that our god is faithful to forgive um honestly i think the 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 biggest burden of of doing that is the Guilt that you yourself will probably carry for the rest of your life. That's what I think that. Paul's thorn in his side was that he carried with him was the guilt of knowing that he'd taken part in the persecution and execution of Christians. Mm. All right, I mean he was he was holding the coat coats of the guys that were stoning Stephen at the he was the first the first martyr, martyr. Right, I mean that's that's that had to be a heavy load to carry around for the rest of his life. Yeah, and despite, even though he knew he was forgiven, exactly. And even though he knew he was forgiven, and what did the Lord say? Paul says, I, I asked three times for the Lord to take this away from me. And the Lord says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's our word for those who are suffering trials and tribulations now. Those, our brother and sister in the in the storage, uh, you know, uh, or shipping containers. The shipping they containers, are, the big yeah. Metal shipping, shipping containers. containers. Be, be praying for them, by the way. The ones being hunted, never knowing when there's going to be a bunch of Muslims run through their village and hacking people up. That happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met. A, I remember I met a lady a few years back uh, here in town that was uh, from Nigeria, and she had to flee because she was a Christian, and she was under threat of death. Wow! You know, especially if you convert. Yeah. And I had a friend in Bible college who was from Algeria, and she um, had converted from Islam to Christianity, and her families felt that their responsibility was to kill her on sight. Wow! So she'd fled to America. A, a real asylum seeker and uh, she went to bible college with me and serving the lord but but you know it's a, it's a tragedy to think that people are living that way but even in those hardships and tribulations god strengthens their faith he grows them matures them in ways we have a hard time understanding and he gives them a resilient faith yeah he really does and you know if we're looking at this idea of trials and tribulations and there being a purpose in them and us being able to have hope in them, that's something that we can really look to our persecuted brothers and sisters um, as an example for because they're doing that. They're going through these horrible trials and tribulations and still maintaining their faith, still choosing faith over fear, still having hope, still clinging to Christ um, because it's so, so easy when you're going through difficult times to say, well, God did this to me. Clearly, God's mad at me, so I'm going to be mad at him too. You know, blaming God for things or saying, you know, I just need to figure out how to fix this on my own because clearly God's not going to fix it for me. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm tired of waiting for God, so I'm going to do it myself. Well, you know, I think that uh, a lot of folks might be listening right now and they're thinking, oh, yeah, I don't have any real trials and tribulations. But let's be you know, compassionate and, and honor the fact that getting in a car accident can be a trial or tribulation. Uh, and even if it's just a fender bender, your child that keeps getting F's in school can be a trial or tribulation. Um, having a trip canceled or a vacation canceled, you know, losing money on that, um, you know, those can all be considered trials and tribulations. And 
I consider those like training camps. Hmm. You know, they're they're opportunities to choose faith over fear. They're opportunities to overcome the enemy by the power of your testimony by remembering who does the Bible say God is? How has he helped how has he brought me through before? How has he brought other people I've heard about through before? And then based on that, choosing to go forward with hope in the outcome rather than fear of the outcome. Um, I think of the persecuted uh, pastors who took part of my dissertation research. Every single one of them said, we hate persecution but we, when, it, when it gets bad, but we also love it because we know when it comes, God is doing something, that something great is going to happen in the kingdom and that the kingdom is growing rapidly. Yeah. I mean, we touched on that last week, right? You talked about the Chinese Christians who pray for the American church to undergo persecution because they, they want us to have the same growth and revival and purification that they've experienced through persecution. I mean, part of, part of when you're, um, uh, discipled in China now, uh, there's such a surveillance state that you, they literally have as many cameras as they have people. That's a lot of cameras. That's what they say, at least yeah. a billion cameras. That's and they're using AI, artificial intelligence, to monitor stuff and to track people. And, you know, you, you can't do anything in secret. They're listening to all your phone calls. They're looking, watching you at home. They're watching you as you move about. They're watching you in the train station. So the pastors are telling people, well, if they're going to watch you, make sure they see a gospel person living the gospel word and doing gospel things. Wow. Because, you know, if you're going to get... You're being watched, so you may as well just go all out. Right. Tribulation. (laughs) Live for Christ, Tribulation's coming, so you might as well just live for Jesus. Mm. And then then when when they uh, elevate someone to the role of pastor in a house church, then the very next thing they do is they identify who will take his place. Because they know for sure it's only a matter of time before he's arrested and imprisoned. It's just an expectation. Can you imagine if they set a new pastor in church on Sunday and then they're like, okay, now who will be ready to take his place when he gets thrown in jail? It's a sobering thought that that's a reality for that's so many Christians around the world. That's And God that's is in that because the Chinese church underground right now is growing. This is true. I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but that when, the, when Mao, it's cultural revolution uh, in the 50s, washed over... Uh, China and just slaughtered Christians wholesale at the same time and a lot of others it wasn't just Christians at the same time it, it or, or in the subsequent years it caused the greatest revival and the greatest church growth and expansion as far as numbers go mm-hmm. most likely in the history of humanity wow right underground the church went from you know a few thousand to a hundred million in a few couple of decades that's and insane. they, the uh, a lot of folks are thinking that right now might be the same thing might be happening. They, they know there's evidence that the church is really growing underground right now, mm. and it's really bad persecution. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they're going through it. They're having a trial. Uh, I, I think another thing that helps me with trials and tribulations in my own life is thinking about others' trials and tribulations and praying for them. Mm. Like yeah. pr- praying for you the way I w- would want someone to pray for me. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, they, they'll testify and they'll tell you I, all over the world where Christians are persecuted. It's 100 percent. They will say, we need your prayers. 
Yes. They usually ask for Bible and for prayers, and that's 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 the, all they're asking for. And they're like, you have no idea what it means to us that you're praying for us, and how impactful it is. So as you're going through the trials and tribulations in your own life, make sure that you're taking that time to pray for other people, and specifically mm. to pray for uh, our brothers and sisters who are imprisoned. Hebrews yeah. tells us tells us about that. Visit those who are in chains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. That's something that that we can do because sometimes we can feel powerless in many ways um, to uh, when we look at the things that are going on around the world. But we have, you know, we say, oh, I don't have any control over this. What can I do? Well, you can pray to the only one who actually does have power, the only one who actually uh, is in control. Right. And so... That is a really important something that you can do and a really important something that we should all be doing. Yeah, so be encouraged. Know that in your little tiny trials and hardships or the big ones of, you know, the loss of a parking space or the loss of a child, you know, those extremes, know that God is with you. Know that God will bring good out of it. It may not be what you define as good, but it will what be what God he defines, defines as good, good. Which is what actually is good. And which exactly and, and pray that he would help you to see it. What a gift mm. to have insight into the actions and the plans of God. So it's amazing. Pray for that. Rather than saying, I've decided what's good, I've decided what the outcome should be. Submit yourself to the Lord, trust him, and ask him to show you where's the good in this. Where and it might take a long time to see it. Mm-hmm. You will see it eventually. Be patient. And keep going down the harder way. So that's our encouragement to you guys. And I hope that it has been encouraging because I know that every single person listening to some degree or another is going through a trial or tribulation. So our prayer is that this was an encouragement to you and that uh, it would be encouragement to those around you who may be going through uh, trials and tribulations, that you can share this information with them, whether you're just telling them about it or if you want to send them this episode so they can listen to it themselves. But we think this is just stuff that everybody needs to hear because we all struggle, we all have trials, and we all need that hope that only comes when we realize that God's with us through all of it. He really is. Yeah, I think that should be our final word. Mm -hmm. Until next time, we will uh, see you guys next week. For 41. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.